Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Welcome to episode 59, where we're talking with Marilyn. Stay tuned as we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. So Marilyn, who are you? Hi, I'm Marilyn. I am a 25-year-old engineer. I am bisexual, polyamorous, kinky. I'm a Libra. Uh, <laughs> those are kind of my like main identifiers, I would say. Well, welcome. So tell us, what does polyamory mean to you? Yeah, well, I think polyamory to me really means like freedom, honestly. It means being able to be myself 100% of the time, well, we'll get to that later when I can be um, with other people. It means not denying feelings I'm have, having for other people. It means being able to set up relationships the way that I and the other, pe- other person wants it. You know, not how society has said we have to do it. And yeah, just opening myself up to connections, however they come with people, getting to be more authentic in that way. You know, I think that's what polyamory means to me. And what drew you to polyamory? Well, my senior year of college, so I was in a serious relationship um, with a guy at the time, we can call him D. And we'd been together for a couple of years and I had come out as bi back in high school. So I knew that, but at the time only monogamous. And then he was a year ahead of me. So he graduated. And so we were doing long distance and I started to get feelings for one of my friends, um, call her A. And actually she and her partner were already poly. So it was like, not only was I having feelings for this person, but I was kind of aware that it exists. And it was something that was, you know, possible for her since she was already in that kind of relationship. And so at some point, those like feelings really just became undeniable. And it was either like, become poly myself or break up with my boyfriend, which I didn't want at the time. And so then I just start kind of dove in researching what poly even really meant, read the ethical slut more than two, kind of all those things. And just everything I read about it really drew me to it more and really felt more like me. So I kind of found it through other people, but it's really stuck. And I think it's like a big part of who I am now. And just as an, as an aside, how did your partner react, your long-term, long-distance partner? Yeah, the, <laughs> uh, it was hard initially, and he wasn't, wasn't on board at first, I would say. And we made all of the like initial mistakes where it's like, well, okay, maybe it's okay if you like kiss her, but just that, you know what I mean? Like try mm-hmm. to do all the like incremental rules that <laughs> nobody can actually stick to. You know, so I think for him, it kind of came down to, did he, he, I think he ended up getting into it because of me initially, even though he ended up having, you know, seeing other people later down the line, but yeah, his initial reaction was, um, was no, I don't want to do this. And it came down to like, I have to do this, you know, or we have to break up or I'm going to cheat, which I didn't want to do, you know, so Mm -hmm. kind of. Yeah, started out that way under a lot of pressure, I guess, but he kind of came around to it more and um, we're not together still, but we did end up, you know, being poly for the rest of our relationship. I guess that kind of does address when did you know that you were poly? Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
when, if ever, did you feel like you were different from other people? Yeah. Um, I would say probably some part of me always knew, but it wasn't really apparent to me until high school. So I actually went to a boarding school in Illinois, um, who I'm very suspicious that one of your previous guests and I went to the same school. Um, <laughs> Ooh, I think possibly two of our previous guests. Yeah. One, no, one of our previous guests and also one of our guests' first poly partners, mm-hmm. I believe. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure because I remember listening to that episode and like internally screaming because I'm like, I, I'm, he's ahead of me, but I think we went to the same school. Anyways, I feel like that's a place where a lot of people um, figure out that they're different because they're finally, you know, they're not living at home. They're not under the microscope of their parents. There's openly queer people all of a sudden. And it's like, oh, wait a second. This is, you know, a real thing. I'm, I'm from a really small town in Illinois where, you know, there just really wasn't any kind of diversity like that. And so going to this school really opened up my eyes. Um, and that's when I quickly learned that I was bisexual. And I feel like that coming to terms with that first and being alternative in that way is like the first time I really knew that I was different. And it's kind of made every other, every other thing after, you know, being poly, kinky, whatever, almost a little easier, if that makes sense. Cause I feel like once you give up one thing about, you know, not being mainstream anymore, the next one's I think they're a little easier, but that's probably the first time I like really knew consciously. What do you find difficult, if anything, about polyamory? <laughs> Nothing. It's easy breezy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's just math that when you open yourself up to more people, you're also, or more love, you're also opening yourself up to more heartbreak. That part of it for me has been especially hard this year. Back in February is when my uh, partner I was talking about earlier, D, that's when he and I broke up. And then my current partner has gone through kind of some heartbreak of her own this year. Um, can call her L. And it's just, I don't know, a lot of, and probably some of it is COVID, some of it's not, but a lot of, a lot of heartbreak this year, I feel like. So that's really hard about it. Obviously, communication is a lot harder, but I'm also a big processor. I like uh, that kind of communication and really thinking about everything with other people. So it's harder, but I don't mind that part of it as much. And then not getting to be fully out in spaces is really hard. I know we'll talk about that later. Um, but that weighs on me a lot because I'm a pretty open book where I like to be most of the time and I like relating with people. And so to have to, have to hide parts of that is definitely difficult. Yeah, I'm with you on that so much. It's definitely one of the most challenging Mm -hmm. aspects. Yeah. I think it, I feel like it doesn't get as much like press or coverage. The fact that like, if you open yourself up to more love and relationships, you also open yourself up to more heartache and breakups, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so whereas uh, the average monogamous person might have to go through two, three, maybe five breakups in their whole life. Like the average poly person might have three breakups in a year, you know, you Mm -hmm. never know, like depending on the life circumstances and things that happen. So yeah. And in, in a way it's interesting because I feel like people who are in poly relationships, the more breakups you go through, the more experience you have with it. And then I, I think though, I, I cannot prove this in any way, maybe it gets easier because you know what you're doing 
but I don't know that that's true because <laughs> I don't know that I've gone through any easy, super easy breakups, you know, right? Yeah. Uh, unless we just both knew we were wrong for each other and it was just like a mutual, oh yeah, this isn't working. I agree. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> you know, like which, yeah. how often do we get that? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think they necessarily will become easier, but I hope they become more intentional. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And, um, you know, less volatile maybe. And, you know, ideally uh, more to a place where people can maintain some kind of friendship after, because I think a lot of us end up dating people in the community that we're in. And so as breakups happen, you can't just like stop seeing the other person entirely, you know, usually. And usually there's some good reason why you started dating. So hopefully with them being more intentional, can maintain more of a friendship after something like that that's my hope like you can sort of recognize like we're not breaking up because one of us is a terrible human being or you know something like that like we're breaking up because this isn't a relationship that is giving either of us what we really need from it and so you know I still like you but this isn't the kind of relationship that we should be in Mm -hmm. right yeah but easier said than done when feelings are involved, for sure. Absolutely. Right. Well, and sometimes you might need a break from the person, even if you can still have all of those feelings in your rational brain of like, no, I just need some time to like, let my heart heal a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I can be around you again in, you know, our shared common community spaces. Oh, for sure. You have to break the habits, I think, of seeing somebody that way. And for me, at least, that does take just a break from them. Otherwise, you can't get out of the headspace that you're in when you're dating. Agreed. So where are you in your poly journey? I feel like I'm somewhere in the early middle, if that makes sense. I don't really feel like I'm at the beginning. I feel like I've been through a lot of those rookie mistakes that make me feel like I'm not quite a rookie anymore, but um, definitely still early on. Um, I've only been, I guess, poly for, it's coming up on three years now. So it's not a very long time though, compared to people I continue to meet, it sometimes is the longest time in the room, you know, (laughs) but I think that's still a pretty short amount of time. And I've, you know, got a lot of things left to learn, I'm sure. So not quite at the beginning, somewhere in the beginning of the middle, I think. Uh, so where do you hope to go or do you have any poly goals? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Well, I feel like I have the capacity to have multiple committed like romantic partners. And that's something that I think I would love someday if it happens. Um, right now, I just have one. Um, and I love what we're building together and that's awesome, but I just know that kind of about myself. Um, so that's something I hope for, but we'll see always, you know, I hope someday to have a more like kitchen table type poly where like everyone can be friends of some sort and you can have family dinners and things like that. Kind of just that like idealistic, you know, support system that I think a lot of people, poly people hope for doesn't necessarily happen all the time or in like all stages of life probably but that's something I hope to experience um I think would be really fulfilling 
So why would you say that you are poly? Why? It's more fun. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like it's a part of me now. I can't imagine being monogamous ever again. It's just opened me up to so much, so many people, so much emotion, so much growth for myself um, and others. And I just can't really imagine closing back up again. It would feel like not being myself anymore. So I guess that's why I'm Polly. Kind of have to be now. <laughs> uh, so our last question is usually, why did you agree to be interviewed today? But you contacted us. So mm-hmm. why did you contact us to be interviewed today? Well, I've listened to probably almost all of your podcasts um, and found that to be really helpful. Um, just hearing about other people's experiences and growth or, you know, what to do, what not to do. And I just think every new story you put out there, it's going to touch somebody in some way, you know, and be helpful to somebody at some time, at least I hope. And so um, I was just thinking about what I could provide for that. And I think my topic and what I go through with that is something that a lot of people are dealing with now and maybe their whole lives if they're poly. And so I think it's worth some discussion. I don't necessarily have any good answers on what to do about it, but I know for me hearing about what other people are going through, um, if I'm going through something similar, it just makes you feel less alone. And so if I can do that for somebody else, then it's worth it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I wanted to meet you too. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with our topic. Polyamory Uncensored is excited to announce a brand new product. We have designed a planner and journal specifically geared for polyamorous individuals. If you're a fan of the podcast, you know that I love recommending journaling to our guests and audience members. After about the 50th time or so I caught myself suggesting it, I thought to myself, there should be a journal specifically designed for us polyamorous folks. One that includes a planner, because of course we be planning, and one that prompts us to go deep into our poly lives. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the just plain complicated truths. (laughs) And I wanted to put together a space where you could go if you needed to vent out all of those really hard poly drama feelings. So I designed the Polyamory Uncensored Planner and Journal. This little book includes a full year planner for the year 2021, as well as self-discovery pages, guided journal with polyamory themed prompts and resource guide pages so that you can keep track of the books and podcasts and websites that you find helpful in your poly journey. Get yours today for yourself or the thoughtful polyamorist in your life at tinyurl.com slash poly 2021. That's tinyurl.com slash poly 2021. In doing so, you support me and this podcast. Thank you so much. I love you. Bye. All right. And we are back with Marilyn. So today our topic is going to be talking about uh, being in an alternative lifestyle, poly, kinky, queer, uh, those kind of identities while working in a conservative industry. Uh, So to give us a little bit of background, what kind of industry do you work in? I work in the energy industry for a company that was started, oh, probably over 100 years ago. 
and generally has leaned pretty conservative, um, I think, throughout its history. It's publicly traded company, which I do think matters because then you're beholden to investors, even if you're the CEO, you know, so I can, I'll talk a little bit about how that affects everything. But yeah, I work in the uh, engineer in the en energy industry. That sounds like a challenging environment, I would think, on a lot of levels. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I imagine that you are a distinct minority, even just being female. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually back working in the headquarters office now. So that's kind of nice. There's a lot more women there than out in our field offices. And, but yeah, I've worked in two of our field offices and was routinely the only woman in the room, um, always the only Democrat in the room. I mean, I would just dance around politics. If anybody tried to bring that up to me, you just say something that you know they'll agree with, like, oh, media is making it so hard to <laughs> know what's going on. And then they'll agree with that and move on, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I assume the only queer person in the room. Um, I'm still working up the courage to come out as queer at work now that I'm back in headquarters and I have a serious girlfriend. Um, and then, yeah, I assume the only poly person in the room, but I guess I wouldn't know that for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are, are you out as a Democrat? And I am now at, in, my, in my new role here because there are other people in my group that are. So now that feels more safe versus when I was out in the field and it's a bunch of white men with their Trump hats on. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So one thing down, I guess. <laughs> Not super alternative, Baby though. Baby steps. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I mean, that's the thing, really, of any kind of coming out is you've got to figure out what's safe for you. And safe means a lot of different things, right? It's not just physical safety, but like, you presumably like your job and you want to keep your job. And especially, even if you don't like your job, you want to keep your job in a pandemic. You don't want to be job yeah. hunting. Um, you know, so you need to figure out how to um, find that balance. And mm -hmm. it's definitely, there are places that are much more difficult than places that are less difficult. Oh, for sure. And I think a lot of corporate America is this way. Um, it's at will employment. Mm -hmm. I don't have a contract saying for how long they're going to, I'm going to work there. So, you know, if I come out about something that a majority of the people at the company or my manager or whatever don't agree with, you know, in theory, they could find something else to fire me about. And that's that. I mean, there's kind of no protections against that for individual employees, unfortunately. So I would hope the people I work with now, even if I did come out, it wouldn't be that severe, but you really just don't know. Right. And I mean, unless it's because you're part of a specific protected class, there may be no protection. Mm -hmm. Right. Probably and how, how do you prove any of it? Protected. Oh, yeah. 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 They could then go and say, oh, well, you weren't uh, productive about something or whatever and that's the reason even if like you know it's not and Paul I don't think Polly is a protected class anywhere <laughs> no unfortunately <laughs> no I mean I often wonder if there's a, a loophole that we could all find in like making polyamory a religion and then you know or something <laughs> you know uh, a sexual identity or something and then we can mm -hmm. all be like hey 
<laughs> we're protected too. But as at the moment, no, there's really no way to go about that. So it does make a lot of people who are in the poly community feel like their job security is on the line. Like mm-hmm. They can't be out potentially. I am, I'm very privileged to work at a place that not only uh, knows about my poly identity, but encourages it actively because I host my poly discussion group there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they're like, yeah, bring more people in, be more poly, <laughs> you know? yeah, like, do awesome. it. Yeah. They're going to need to buy more chairs. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, post COVID, who, who knows what any kind yeah. of uh, in-person meeting will be like, maybe it'll take uh, you know, a year or two before people are feeling comfortable having, you know, 30 folks in a room or mm-hmm. hell, maybe we'll have outdoor discussion groups, you know, like who knows, Yeah. but it's going to look different going mm-hmm. forward. Um, one thing I did kind of wonder is, have you had any negative interactions at work because of any of your identities? I have, I've seen what could have been negative interactions, especially when I was in the field, um, about being queer. So out in those offices, I mean, it's predominantly white, male, Christian, you know, uh, conservative, all of that. And so, I mean, to the point where there's still guys that think like being gay is gross and or a sin, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's not something that I ever let anyone know. And kind of just based on how I look, I think I pass for straight unfortunately, <laughs> in other times in my life, but in that time it was good. And so, yeah, I think coming out could have been like very harmful to me or would have been a very negative interaction there. I'm hopeful in my group here at headquarters, just because it's a more, a little more liberal environment, that that's something that I'll be able to come out about safely. And I think the reaction will be good because I have coworkers with, you know, kids who are gay and whatnot. And so I think at least people will be nice or polite um, about it and not harmful. But yeah, in, in the other places I've worked, you know, for this company, it definitely could have been. That's really scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just exhausting. I think that's like the biggest thing that gets me about not being able to be out 100% at work or anywhere. I mean, this can extend to family and whatnot too. But for work, it's exhausting. And I don't see an end in sight if I Mm. stay in this field, which I do get a lot of fulfillment out of in other ways. So it's, I don't know, at some point, we'll have to see how worth it it is. But there's, there's really not an end to it. I don't see in the next 20, you know, next 30 to 40 years while I'm working, this becoming acceptable, not only in mainstream, but then in more conservative environments. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about pretty much the exact same question is like, what would make you feel comfortable coming out? Like what would the world or your conservative like industry have to look like Mm -hmm. to feel comfortable? Well, gosh, I think it would have to gain mainstream acceptance first, Mm -hmm. you know, social acceptance where to the point where even if somebody personally disagrees with it, they're kind of outweighed Mm -hmm. by how society feels. I feel like Um, And maybe I'm just too young to remember time before that, but that's how um, like being gay or being queer, I think feels like in a lot of spaces now, even if somebody personally disagrees with it, you know, it's become so accepted in a lot of our mainstream culture that it's like, they'll probably keep their mouth shut, you know, or you're a little more protected by the group. um, I think that has changed over time. And I think it's really sort of interesting to think about like, 30 years ago, it was not really 
safe for most people and being out was a pretty bold choice Mm -hmm. and to be able to look at the world now and say like even in a place like Oklahoma and in a conservative work environment like you're thinking about it Mm -hmm. and it's a possibility Um, and I'm sure there probably are at least a handful of people in your corporate headquarters who are out um and so like that's a huge social shift and maybe we'll continue to have those kinds of social shifts it's hard to know for sure (laughs) but we can hope i probably in part got my job i mean not because i'm queer but it wasn't a hindrance for me it was a favorable factor because there was some pressure to increase diversity in that way when I was hired. And, you know, that's, I mean, 30 years ago, that is kind of impossible to imagine. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm not out as Polly at work and I don't really have any plans to come out as Polly at work, yeah. but I am totally out as queer and you know, it's a, it's an interesting, different dynamic to mm-hmm. be in now than thinking about when I was first out of college and working. Yeah. So do you, do you feel like that weighs on you that you can't be poly out at work or um, does it not matter as much to you? Because I think to some people, they can really compartmentalize different parts of their life more easily, or they just think, oh, it's work. You know, my personal life isn't any of their business. I'm just not that kind of person. So it's hard. It does weigh on me. Um, Mm -hmm. I would definitely prefer to not have to think about it. Exactly. Um, And so when I, in my last job, uh, I was out and because when I started the position, I was out um, as a lesbian because I was married to another woman. And so there was a sort of easy conversational way to bring it up like oh my wife blah 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 Mm -hmm. um we're divorced and i'm in a different environment now so it's a little bit more active coming out but i definitely feel now like okay that limits how much i can talk about my male partner because Mm -hmm. that's gonna throw off the perceptions of the people that i'm talking to and potentially be awkward and Um, you know, me and I end up having to share a lot more of who I am than I'm comfortable doing in that environment. Right. And I think there's a level of like passing privilege with people like myself who uh, are, you know, identify as a woman married to a man. uh, Mm -hmm. And I, I could, I mean, granted, my job is very much not a normal job, but if I had a normal business kind of nine to five job, I could slide on by never talking about my relationship everyone else is a friend you know whatever the case may be and never have to bring it up because I pass or whatever now is that the life I want to live no but also uh it's it's a privilege to say that like I could and it would never be an issue and it never uh would come up or it could never come up uh but yeah it's 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 really interesting having that as a privilege, but it also being kind of um, a really sad thing to have to do (laughs) if you choose that. 
Well, yeah. I think the other thing that really complicates matters is um, when you have kids in the equation, because yeah. like you're obviously out to your daughter and she's young enough that it's completely normal. And, but also there's not really anybody she would have to tell who doesn't clearly already know. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, like you, you never know what she might say when she starts school. Right. And, yeah. Um, and you don't want to put her in a position where she feels like she has to lie about her family and like what your and Rob's relationships look like. And it's then you kind of are a little bit lose control of being out or not being out because you could be outed by a six-year-old. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. And what's nice about that is that even if I am outed by a six-year-old, it, my job isn't on the line. Right. right. So, yeah. and I don't know if, if uh, my husband's job actually cares about his relationship orientations, I don't think they would, but you know, that, that I guess is, is a little bit different, but yeah. Um, the, even so, even if I was com- made completely and totally public, which I do use my real name, I am completely and totally pretty. public. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, um, but even so, I don't think I'd feel super uh, threatened with like my daughter's teachers knowing or, mm-hmm. Even, you know, our, her grandparents who, who are kind of in this denial mode of, we just won't talk about it. And then therefore it's not a real thing. And that's fine. Again, I'm in a position where I'm like, yep, that's fine. Okay. If you don't want to talk about it, we won't talk about it. That's fine. Uh, But even if she were to out us to them, it's not going to be the end of the world. It would be a, uh, an awkward conversation at, at worst, I think. So, yeah, I think that if my job were on the line, I, I would have to also consider being closeted to my daughter, which I don't want to do. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. No. And I don't have kids right now, so I can't speak to that specifically, but it made me think of, um, my partner, Elle, she actually runs her own business. And so she kind of has a lot more freedom to be as out as she wants to be. Um, and it's a client-based business. So in some ways, I know she's talked about wanting to be more out so she can draw like potentially poly clients, queer clients, et cetera. And so how do we reconcile as she's building her website and her social media, how out she can be there because now she's tied to me. If we want to be out about our relationship, um, just that we're dating, show that on Facebook or whatever, I have coworkers there, you know, it wouldn't be really if someone was trying that hard to then get back to her page. And if hers says, you know, poly, blah, 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 blah. Right, right. I me now too. So having to be closeted at work doesn't just affect me. It affects my partners too, mm-hmm. which sucks. And right? them being out affects you and your job stability. Right. Yeah. I remember when um, my husband like first initially came out to his parents four years ago, I wasn't, I wasn't like made aware at that exact moment that he was going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I felt really like, you know, anxious and, and, and awkward. And I was like, I really don't know that I was ready to come out. And you, by coming out to your parents came out for me. And then, you know, I had to have this weird conversation with them that was like, it doesn't affect you, you know, and it's part of, it's my identity. It's, and then I I had, I had said this thing that I, I guess I did not think about. I was like, it's just like, if I, cause at the time I didn't have another partner, I was like, 
even if I was only dating Rob, I would still be bisexual. You know, yeah. it doesn't actually change my identity. And they were like, you're bisexual too. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh God, okay. Oh, let's talk about that now. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Is this better? Is this worse? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. So we've had some awkward conversations about it, but they were just like, we don't want to know about it. We don't want to talk about it. But at the same time, you know, if partners come for social distance dates in the backyard and they hear about it from our, you know, their granddaughter, they just kind of like have to be like, okay, um, they're all friends and that's fine. And I'm like, you know what, if you want to live in that denial reality, that's fine. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. affect us and it doesn't hurt anyone. Uh, but I think eventually as time goes on, it will be more obvious, pressing issue and discussion topic you know oh yeah well eventually she's gonna pick up on their awkwardness and she's probably not gonna put up with that well and at the moment all she knows is poly families you know right. like she that's all she knows so uh and honestly it's all it's all of my friends are poly people you know like so mm -hmm. uh, so for the foreseeable future all of the families who she hangs out with will probably be people who are poly. So I think it'll be a, a real issue when she goes to school and it's like, you only have one mom or like, you know, like you only have, you only like- Wait, What about your mom at home? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is that about? What are you weird people, you know? <laughs> so uh, that'll be interesting. <laughs> that kind of brought, bring up another good point for me though, not to compare your daughter to my job per se, but um, yeah, a lot of my friends- I've met in the poly kinky communities. And so when people ask what I did this weekend, uh, <laughs> you kind of have to lie about that too. <laughs> to meet up. I mean, gosh, I have to lie about how I met my current partner. I mm -hmm. usually just say we, we met at a meetup, you know, before COVID when mm -hmm. those were a thing and just kind of leave it at that. That's, that's just like an extra layer I think in of difficulty because you know it's not just about your partners now too it's also about a lot of your friends yep, mm -hmm. yep. oh and yeah there's a lot of awkwardness with that with like you know my, some of my partners came to my daughter's third birthday party and everyone yep. was like how do you know them and I was like oh my god I met them through the poly discussion group <laughs> how do I know them uh, and even saying work I work at a sex toy store like I don't, meet, I don't meet people at work, you know? So there were a couple of times where I was just like, uh, I don't remember. Or, you know, like, uh, through friends yeah, at a barbecue. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun acrobatics game sometimes. So I know you said you're in Oklahoma and that's probably, I would say a red or area of the country. Right. So, um, what does the poly and kinky and queer community look like in a kind of like southernish red state? Yeah. So that's a great question and a little complicated by the fact I just moved here a week ago. Oh, um, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Well, so I've actually, my, my job right out of school, um, was rotational. And so I've actually lived here before, but I, did not really seek out the poly or kinky community the year I was here before. I had just broke up with A, which was the person that I like kind of became poly for. And so I just really needed, I think, some time on my own to figure out if that was still me or was something I was doing for her. And the answer was, it is still me. And then also with 
my company being a huge employer here, I was always a little worried about going to those events and like seeing people I work with, even though now I think, well, gosh, if you see somebody you work with, they're also having the same concerns. So they're like, not going to out you right. they're outing themselves. Right. But I don't know, for some reason that kind of worried me at the time. And so then I moved to Colorado for a year and that's really where I started getting into, um, the poly and kinky community. So that's a much bluer state. So mm-hmm. the communities there are thriving, I would say. <laughs> and then I moved to Kansas, which is another red state. So I can speak a little about it there. It's a lot smaller. Um, and, you know, Kansas is smaller than Colorado. So that, or, you know, part of it too, smaller cities. But yeah, I would say it's a lot smaller. There's a lot less frequent events. There was a lot more stringent vetting process when I wanted to join the community in Kansas um, than when I did in Colorado. I mean, they needed your full name, date of birth. You had to like, um, this is so crazy, but you had to like send a live photo of yourself to like prove that you actually were who you said you were. I don't know if they have what kinds of people they have trying to get in, but it was crazy. I didn't, I didn't have to jump through those hoops to like go to events and stuff in Colorado. So I think there is a lot more caution um, in redder states uh, just because there's higher consequences if you get outed, I think. And I have looked into joining it here in Oklahoma. It's definitely complicated by COVID. Sure. Um, But here uh, I was just starting to talk with people and to start going to events and stuff. You actually have to meet up with somebody in person. They might be doing it over Zoom now, but again, just another way to like prove that you are who you say you are. It's really interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's true in all red states. I guess maybe it is. Yeah. I don't know if it's like that in Wisconsin. Well, I mean, I guess technically we were a red state for the last four years and now turned back to blue. Thank you this year though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But we were blue pretty much all the time before that, right? Like Wisconsin has been known to have a progressive areas, which Milwaukee is one, right? Madison is one. So I think Milwaukee specifically is a lot different a lot more open, a lot more accepting mm-hmm. community. We definitely don't have a vetting process like that. Yeah. Not, not in our group anyways, not that mm-hmm. um, it's very open. And, and honestly, it is open to people who are curious and who don't identify as poly yet and people who are Republican or conservative, sure. because if they want to come and learn, I'm not going to prevent that. I think it's a good thing. It's rare. Oh, wait, you actually kick all the Trump supporters. Oh, oh I, so nobody left, but I did make up, I did make a post that said, if you're a Trump supporter, get the fuck out of my group. Nobody left though. So I don't think it's a problem. I think, I think what I mean mostly is, so that's a private Facebook group that I, that I yeah. said that in, in our public discussion groups at the tool shed I know we've had Republicans like we've had people who are conservative come and learn you know like and I I, I don't think that education should be exclusive to anyone yeah uh, but our own private safe space community yeah it's gonna be a little <laughs> exclusive <laughs> yeah that's just for the safety of all of the people involved which you know I think everyone understands and nobody left I did I did look at the count I was like we have this many members let's see if anybody leaves because of this post and nobody did (laughs) it was fine (laughs) yeah and I guess I can't speak to the kink community here in Milwaukee but it is pretty open it is pretty big and so I think that you know there's its own the kink communities in every state has its own problems and vetting process and trolls and people who are there for the wrong reasons of course uh but the poly groups I think that the 
it's less about conservatism although i think that that's definitely an issue but it's often just people who don't know how to relationship yet those are the people you got to vet out you know the people who are yeah. unicorn hunters the people who are uh in it to try to save their failing relationship or you know just in it to use people like those are the people who are the like the predatory people the poly fuckers <laughs> you know yeah. those are the people that we got to work like look out for way more than i think conservative people like they, they just often sure. will find will amble into a group and be like oh i don't think i belong here <laughs> and then find their way out or they think they do belong there and i'm sure that's some cognitive dissonance right there <laughs> yeah it, I don't know that how long it lasts, but when uh, I, when I've seen other public groups, people being like, "Hey, are there any Republicans here?" Ninety-eight percent of the comments are no, no, because actually uh, a lot of us are queer, and a lot of us don't feel comfortable in Republican settings, and a lot of us are, you know, pro-human rights and all this stuff. You know, the a, a myriad of things that we could say that like poly values don't quite align with Republican conservative values. For sure. So oftentimes there aren't any. And yeah, and it, it is interesting because there are a few. There are a few people who are in the public groups who are conservative in, in Milwaukee or Wisconsin in general. And that's another thing that like Milwaukee is pretty blue, right? We almost always are voting really democratic. But Wisconsin as a state, if you look at the map, is like all red. It's just oh, all yeah. these people, you know, live in Milwaukee and Madison. So, so they went over the whole state. But the rest of the state, is very conservative uh, and growing up in a very red town, very small town, I did not feel comfortable being out in high school. I did not feel comfortable even talking about my sexuality. I didn't identify as poly in high school. Obviously it was well into college that I really came across that as a possibility, but, and that was in Milwaukee. Um, but yeah, back when I was in near like Appleton Green Bay area, which is yeah. all Republican, all Trump, flags flying from the back of your pickup truck I wouldn't feel comfortable I just don't know that that would be a it would be a safety thing yeah. mm -hmm. oh for sure so I have a kind of different question for you Marilyn um you know we've talked a lot about how challenging it is to not be out in the workplace do you have a out of work sort of good social support network like are you able to be out you know with family with friends with other parts of your life where yeah. you at least have some balance in that mm -hmm. and that's a great question and that's when I was thinking through this topic um that I feel like I don't really have a lot of answers for I was kind of thinking of ways that I deal with it um and what I would recommend to other people if they're having to deal with it and it is definitely to have or build that support network so yeah I do I'm out now, I think to pretty much all of my friends, except for work friends. And so that's great. And I have a lot of friends that I met specifically in the poly communities. Um, but even my friends that I didn't now, I'm out to them as well, which is just, that happened within the last year or so. So that's a big weight off my shoulders. I'm out to my siblings as poly. I'm not out to my parents. So that's something I hope I can do someday is be out to my parents. But right now having that support of my siblings is great. And, and I think so they're supportive. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my siblings are the best. Um, I'm like the weird kid for sure. But they're always like, all right, whatever you want to do. <laughs> they're really supportive. They're awesome. So that, that helps a lot. And then I think, you know, once COVID settles down, um, huh, 
ever. Uh, I hope to build more of a local network because since I just moved here, that network really exists, uh, you know, in Colorado, back with my family in Illinois, it's kind of all over the place. And so I think that's wonderful and that's great, but like having a local network too is really, really important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just a space that you can literally go to after work and be yourself. I mean, that, that makes it so much more, it just re-energizes you to be able to go back to work then, which, you know, unfortunately all of us, most of us have to work in this country, right? So I think it re-energizes you to be able to do that um, and make this lifestyle worth it. You know, I could see some people thinking that it's too much, you know, the lying is too much at some point. So why be Polly? But it's so integral to who I am and to, I think, a lot of us. So we have to find ways to make it worth it and make it doable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that support network is the most important thing for sure. So something that I was thinking about before about like the election results and whatnot is, do you yeah. think in a post-Trump era, things will be different? Um, I don't, I don't know about for Polly specifically. I think for being queer, hopefully yes. Um, because I hope, I feel like we had reached a point before Trump, I think I've talked about this earlier, but like where mainstream, most of society seemed to be on board. And so the people who weren't on board were kind of keeping it quiet. And I feel like Trump gave a voice to those people to be homophobic again, on top of everything else, xenophobic, racist, whatever. And so I'm hoping post-Trump, we can kind of get back to the point where there's not so much vocal hate all of the time. That doesn't mean it's disappeared, obviously, but um, I'm hopeful for that. I don't see um, a Biden presidency having much impact on what that means for Polly. I don't right. think that's, I don't, I don't know if we've ever even really had a politician talk about poly rights or acceptance or whatnot. I, I wouldn't know at least. So I don't think it'll have too much of an impact on that, unfortunately. Yeah. I think I just heard a politician for the first time talk about his partner, his wife having an abortion. It was a medically necessary abortion for a, a planned pregnancy. And still that was the first time I had ever heard a politician openly talk about like, yes, our family had to have an abortion. And I support the fact that that was medically necessary. And sometimes it is, you know, and I was like, mind blown. And I'm like, this shouldn't be the first time that I've ever heard this. Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, I feel like progress is so slow. <laughs> I think so too, though. Did either of you watch that Netflix show, The Politician, where actually Polly was uh, brought up a bunch? You should watch it. Uh, there's Polly politicians. In oh, it. really? Yeah. I forgot about that till just now. And I'm like, hmm, who, whose true story is this based off of? <laughs> so maybe they're out there, but they're definitely still in hiding at work like the rest of us. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, House of Cards, the president of the United States is, uh, is a poly bisexual man. And I'm like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's uh, fun, uh, I guess. He's also a murderer, but whatever, you know, oh, right. it's, it's a Netflix drama. Yeah, not the best representation, uh, but uh, kind of an interesting one to see that depicted, which is like, cool, mm-hmm. neat idea. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, who knows how realistic that could be. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like statistically speaking, there's got to be some poly politicians. 
Right. And I can't even imagine the hoops they have to jump through to stay closeted at work. You know, now to, because my job isn't in the public eye, right? Uh, right. So I can't imagine what that adds to it. But yeah, I feel like there's got to be at least one <laughs> high enough group of people or big enough. Ever, ever so often I'll be like, or I'll hear someone say, like, oh, well, my partner is in a very high um, visibility job. Yeah. so they can't be out or they are in the public eye so they can be out and I'm always like who <laughs> you know <laughs> I just I know that you shouldn't tell me but I need to know you know <laughs> I just want to know how uh how how far does this go like yeah. all the way to the top <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I know I it it brings the thought my thought to mind like if so many of us are hiding with this all at work uh, like for what you know, if only we could all come out at once and then there'd be too many of us, you know? Right, right. Power in numbers. Yeah. Or somebody in really high authority and probably public eye to make it more acceptable, you know? Well, I mean, even just, so again, progress is slow, right? But like in Biden's acceptance speech last week, he, he mentioned like uh, gay and trans folks in his mm-hmm. speech. And it's like, when ever has a president or president-elect talked about trans people in yeah. a speech never mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever happened unless it was derogatory right, right. so uh so that's as small as it is incredible progress and mm-hmm. really hopeful right <laughs> yeah yeah I hope so I don't know I think coming back to like the conservative industry part of it um I, ideally you'd hope as you move up and get more authority, maybe you can be more open, but I think really then you're, you have to be more of an example. Mm-hmm. So I don't that's necessarily something I can strive for, for, you know, if I become CEO of my company someday, then I could be out. But like I mentioned earlier, you're still beholden to the investors unless someday investors want to see poly representation in the companies they invest in. Um, even if you're the CEO, you probably still can't be out. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I guess I never, I, I, I work for a small business. You know, I have an Etsy store. I am my own boss. And then my other boss is like a really good friend of mine. So I never think about like publicly traded companies or like CEOs even. <laughs> like it's such a weird and different environment. Totally. And yeah. investors have so much power. I mean, the reason companies now have more environmental social and governance requirements is because investors are choosing where to put their money and they're choosing to stop putting money in companies that aren't um improving on that so they have a lot of power and in some ways it can be really good like on the environmental side um i just don't see that getting over to poly you know right i mean there's been like you know indexes for how good of an environment is this for women and for people of color and even for queer people with Mm -hmm. the you know human rights campaign index but um that's there's there's not a parallel of that for poly by any stretch of the imagination and unfortunately are some of the biggest investors going to be conservative most likely, you know, like, so where is the money probably in conservative, conservative politics? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully that'll change with time, but we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, I know. 
it, it definitely brings up the question for me, like how long will it be worth it to be in this industry just because of all of the things that I have to now I have to be closeted about forever. And I, I really do like the work that I do, but at some point, especially as more partners or maybe kids are brought into the equation, you know, how long will that stay worth it for? I don't think I have a good answer for that, but it's something I think about and it's something I think other people think about too. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure Absolutely. that's true. You had mentioned a little bit before about some advice that you that you have. Um, do you have any more advice for people who are who are in similar situations as you? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely communicating a lot with the people that you are open to about your restrictions because of who you work for. Um, you know, you wouldn't want a partner or a friend to accidentally out you, or if, unfortunately, if you have to lie about the way you met them and you bring them to a work function, I mean, that's a whole extra thing. So I think communicating like pretty early on with your partners and friends or whoever about your own like limitations in that regard, I think that's really important. Um, holding space for how that might affect them, because it does, I think, um, affect them or I mean, I think about future partners I might have if I come out about my girlfriend at work, like then that's the only partner I can be out about at work. And that's like almost making a decision for them before they are even here. I don't know. It's weird. So holding space for the ways that that um, might affect them and how out they're able to be or, you know, just I don't want to say that a partner is could be unequal um, in importance just because you're not out about at work, but it might feel that way, mm-hmm. right? So um, yeah, being really cognizant of how that impacts other people, um, I think is really important. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Well, I think this is a really helpful episode. I hope people at least find like camaraderie and the pain and struggle right (laughs) like there's I think there's a lot of us out here doing this so Mm -hmm. yeah hopefully people will feel a little less alone in that and then we'll all rise up and uh... (laughs) I'm gonna make a big Facebook event everyone's invited Uh, same day and I can't stop all of us right (laughs) can't fire all of us (laughs) Well, thank you so much for reaching out to me. I think that this is this has been a really great episode, and I, yeah, and it's it's so funny now that like COVID has created this dynamic where we're reaching out to fans of the podcast to be interviewed, and I, and I kind of love that. So, mm-hmm. thank you so much. It was a really good episode. I think it's a really important topic, and so thank you so much for you know pushing it up on our radar and being willing to join us to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for continuing to create content right now. People really need it. So it's so appreciated. Thank you. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye.